welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we reflect on our year visiting all 59 U.S. national parks. Whether you're planning to visit your very first park or you bleed gray and green, we're here to share our insights on exploring, understanding, and loving America's best idea. So thanks for tuning in. Today we're reflecting on some of the hardest days of our trip. Womp womp. Yeah. Well, we're back. Back home, sleeping in our own bed. It's a pretty nice feeling, actually. Drinking all the tap water. All the ice water. (laughs) You and your water. I know. Well, water's the best. That's, That's the one thing I missed the most. Isn't that silly? On our whole trip. Um is cold, freezing cold ice water. Yeah, she would not shut up about it. <laughs> you can't get ice water out in the national parks. It's just impossible because it's always warm. No matter what you do, it's always at least lukewarm. So when we'd go to restaurants, I would get like at least eight waters. It was amazing. I will say I do appreciate your simple tastes. Yeah, because it's free. <laughs> yeah, they're my favorite quality about you. Yeah, not so much when we go to Europe. Yeah. Right? We were supposed to be talking, this the under the notes, we were supposed to be talking about Belize right now, and all we're doing <laughs> is talking about water. <laughs> so, no, we did just get back from Belize, though. Yeah, we did. Very you, late last night. You got back late last night. I did. I got back on Sunday, because I had to be back for class here at the beginning of the week. Um, I got to spend an extra two days, which was wonderful. I don't love traveling by myself, but it was nice. I do like laying on the beach by myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know my favorite part? Of Belize? Yeah. Uh, no. It was the 75-cent burritos from the street carts. Those are amazing. Street food. Don't get anything besides street food in Belize. That's my advice. It it was even cheaper than the dollar burritos that we got from Taco Bell all throughout our trip last year. Right. So that's impressive. And much better, much bigger, much more homemade. Like they would just make it, it there would be a bunch of uh, women outside of like, oh, just all along the streets with their tables set up and they... um, They'd have just Tupperware full of salsas and like chicken shredded chicken but it was all really fresh that was the surprise it was like it was all really good quality food so they would put like some refried beans spread out and then some chicken shredded chicken with uh some kind of sauce and then some salsa and then sometimes rice fresh grated cheese yeah they would just grate the cheese right there it was awesome so good and we how many times do you think we had rice and beans a lot most of most days yeah it's, because they call it rice and beans it's like the dish that's called on the on the menu that's their famous which is really an undersell it is it's it, because it's so much more than rice and beans yeah <laughs> it's it, usually it always comes with some kind of meat first of all like baked chicken yeah it's like um, a reverse of how we how we sell um like latin american food because we we say like chicken and it comes with rice and beans you know yeah. In America. But it's it was like a reverse of that. So they just call it rice and beans. But it's like sometimes it has like a little salad on the side. Sometimes it had like some plantains or something. And it always had some kind of meat. And it was always delicious. Yeah. Besides the food, though, we did 
snorkeling, caving, like three different types of caving tours. Went to the Maya ruins, Mayan ruins, all throughout the you know jungle of Belize. It was a super active vacation, which we like, of course. Um, what was yeah. your favorite part? My favorite part was kayaking through the caves in a national park called Five Blues National Park, where you can't actually, they don't recommend you actually visit the park on your own because for some reason the there the um there used to be like a way to go visit and walk and do some trails and stuff but now they took all of the like rangers i guess away and so it's all at your own risk and they have some issues with people breaking in so they recommend you go with a guide but um anyway we we had a tour of kayaking through caves and it was one of the coolest things i've ever done I also liked the guide's story about, what was it, Batfly, right? Yes, I think I got one. (laughs) Yeah, so we were just examining Elizabeth's 10,000 mosquito bites. No, not that many. Um, Basically, this bug bites you, or no, it's a mosquito that bites you that's carrying this larva of some bug, so it embeds the larva in your skin and it starts growing so at first it just itches like a mosquito bite and then it starts getting real painful because the larva is eating your skin uh, or your flesh on the inside yeah and then it finally grows enough to where um you can kind of pinch it out so you pinch out this worm growing inside you well they say what you're supposed to do is put chewing gum on your on the bite and it covers up the hole so that the the worms die, and then <laughs> so you, you have sque- dead worms in you. Then you squeeze them out. Isn't that yeah. disgusting? And they get to be like an inch long inside of you. But, well, if you don't get it right away, I guess. Yeah. So it's super unnerving story. But think if we didn't hear that and we got something like that, and you just found a bug growing in you. Oh my God. Would you lose your? mind or what something yeah yeah whatever <laughs> yeah the guy well You'd the guy something the guide was like oh here's a funny story <laughs> yeah and we're like that's terrifying and he said he had like four or five at once one time yeah lots and so because they implant like a bunch of larvae into you oh it's disgusting yeah anyway we don't have that <laughs> i don't know that we so. know of i don't think so yeah I was actually still taking malaria pills uh, from my trip to Uganda, so hopefully that uh, warded off any mosquito disease. Yeah, we had a we had a lot of travel. Well, you did, especially back to back to back, and uh, we should be here in Missouri for about five weeks, six weeks at least. Word. Finishing up school and and the and some subbing, so. It's back to work for us. So fun. <laughs> what a tough life. I know, right? Um, yeah, so what do we got on tap today? So, speaking of a rough life, <laughs> we're going to be talking about, we're going to be doing some Parks in the News first. And then we're getting into some of the times in our trip, which was obviously a dream trip you know we were so fortunate to be able to go on this year visiting all 59 national parks you know we saved up for it so we were totally just free to travel um and that still doesn't mean i guess that everything is rainbows and roses all the time so 
even in this dream trip, we had some tough days. So we're going to talk about those and some of the parks that happened that those days happened in. Right, those lucky parks. <laughs> they, got, they saw the best of us, of me at least. Yeah. Okay, but first, let's talk about, let's do some parks in the news. So this isn't actually news, I guess, but this is just a quiz for Cole. Are you ready to lose? So ready. Okay. I'm the best at losing these. You, you are. Um, you're the best loser. So we're going to be talking about the, the theme. the biggest loser. It, no. That's, that's a different thing. That's a different thing. Uh the theme here is deadly national parks. Mm. Death. Death in the national parks. Does that sound scary? Yeah, I'm trembling. <laughs> so I just have three questions, and they're multiple choice. And, um, well, not really multiple choice. Like, which one is not does not belong? Which one of these is not like the other? Except one of them is in multiple choice. Okay, let's just do it. <laughs> okay, cool. So we know, we both know, hopefully all of our listeners know, that you are very, very, very unlikely to die in a national park. <laughs> That's good. We did get through 59 without we did. dying. We did. I would like for you to tell us, what is your chance of dying in a national park? Here are your choices. About 1 in 500,000. About one in one million, about one in two million, those are not in order, or about one in 200,000. I'm going to go with C, uh, if they were put in order, I guess, (laughs) (laughs) one in one million. Wrong. You're on the right track. Well, not really. You're a million off. It's (laughs) one, about one in two million is your chance of dying in a national park. Okay. I'm always a pessimist. People who die versus people who visit. So many people visit the national parks, which is why you're very unlikely to die. Okay, here here we go. Which of these is not one of the top five most common causes of death in the national parks? Ready? Yeah. Okay, falling, drowning, vehicle accident, heat exhaustion, and suicide. Those are your choices. Which one does, is not in the top five? Wow. Um, well, I know drowning is in the top five for sure. Fall should be. Um, heat exhaustion, I think, definitely gets a lot of people in those s- desert, southwestern, I mean, anywhere, really. Um, so it's either vehicle accident or suicide, but I got to go with suicide. Uh, final answer. Sorry. What? Are you kidding? It's heat exhaustion. No. It's like number eight or something. It's okay. it's it's not it's it's close, but it's a down like more people die from an avalanche than heat exhaustion. Jeez. Did you know that? I guess I guess that heat exhaustion just puts you on the ground for a while. It doesn't kill you. It right. just knocks it makes you just, out. It makes a lot of people in the Grand Canyon sick, probably. Okay, okay and final question. Which of these is not one of the top five deadliest national parks? Now we're talking nat- like capital N, capital P parks, yeah. not, not, and not just other NPS sites. This so, is by absolute numbers, not by percentage of visitors who die? Absolute numbers. Okay. Okay, one Yosemite, two Death Valley, three Denali, four Grand Canyon, and five Yellowstone. Which is not in the top five. Okay. If you so, if you take out, sorry, this is confusing. I'll explain it later. But if 
That's if you take out all of the other NPS sites, like just looking at the national parks. Right, right. Um, so Yosemite is uh, Grand Canyon and Yellowstone all have a ton of visitors. So they likely have a lot of deaths from stupid people. Uh, so I'm really in between Denali and Death Valley. Now, Death Valley, obviously very hot, also can be cold. Uh, Denali, mostly cold, also bears. Um, <laughs> but I got to go with Denali as my final answer. Wrong again. <laughs> Are you sure? I was trying to trick you with the word death, but it wasn't even, it wasn't in the top 10 oh. of, of sites, at least. So the, the the number one deadliest national park in all of the end, talking about the whole NPS is Lake Mead by far. Oh wow! At a, at two hundred and fifty four deaths, and that's from that that data is from two thousand six to two thousand sixteen. Okay, with um, all the drownings. Yes, mostly drownings. Yosemite, Grand Canyon, Yellowstone, then Golden Gate National Recreation Area, then Glen Canyon, which is also Lake Powell, so lots of drownings, I think. Then Denali, Great Smoky Mountains, Grand Teton, and Natchez. Natchez uh, Trace Parkway. Right. I guess vehicle accidents. Vehicle accidents, for sure. So those were the top 10 all of all NPS sites. Um, so Yosemite is the top national park. Yosemite with is. 160 deaths in the last 10 years. What is it? Go down. It was 150 deaths in the last 10 years. So average 15 a year. Interesting. Which is which is a lot. That's, that does sound like a lot. It does sound like a lot. I and and one someone just died in Yosemite National Park. A tree limb fell on them. Ooh. In uh, in what's the the camp where we went to shower? <laughs> what is that called with the? Oh, the. It was right in the middle of uh, of the valley. Yeah, it was Half Dome Village. Yes, Half Cur- Dome. Formerly Curry Village. Yes, exactly. I don't know if they've changed the names back. I think they called it Half Dome Village in the in the article. So the that that debate must be still going on, but yeah. So someone like just was in the parking lot. That's a tough way to go because it's like you're not doing anything wrong. Yeah, I know. I think it was high winds, maybe a tree. Yeah, yeah, just bad, bad, bad. So yeah, I can see it, but it's it's uh, and and so many people visit. I also saw this random fact. Do you know what international traveler is most likely to die in a national park from which country? Uh, China. No, that was. I was actually going to put this in there, but China really? wasn't even in the top five. Is Germany? Really? Which is interesting because it seems like. I would think that they, it, 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 I don't know. It just seems like Germany has a lot of those, like outdoors enthusiasts. Yeah, I would you think know, they could handle themselves. They seemed a lot. They seemed a, a lot more park. worth it than some of the other <laughs> visitors but, we encountered. But maybe they're just too into proving their. Uh, Are you about to be? <laughs> I don't know. Proving their worth. Proving their worth, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, moving on from death and. Right along to another depressing topic of travel fatigue. Are you ready to talk about our two parks today? Yeah. Okay. So, so those people had a really bad experience in the parks. <laughs> you could say that. We had a um, fatiguing experience in the parks. We did. And our complaints complaints sound a lot 
lame right now. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't have started with the death <laughs> because this doesn't sound quite as impressive. Yeah, but we anyway, were tired. We were just tired, guys. <laughs> but we really were. <laughs> so we we traveled for from August of 2015 to August of 2016. We stopped a couple times um, and came home for a couple days at a time, um, but not very often. Well, twice. Uh, three times, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Once for Christmas and stuff. Right. But yeah, pretty constant travel. Yeah, so uh, especially our our um, section from when we left Missouri in on like January 31st and we didn't come back until we came back for a quick weekend like in March. Yeah. And we didn't fully come back until... August. August. And so we were really, it was really constant. And we were in California and we were visiting um, Kings Canyon National Park, which is the first national park we're going to be talking about today. And it wasn't, it wasn't that we, our experience there was ruined. It's just that we had to cope with some of these like heavier uh, travel fatigue issues. And I think most of it came about because we had been spending time in the Southwest which was hot and warm, and it was you know it was it was March at this time or late February, early March, definitely March, I think. Um, but we finally were getting into the mountain parks. Yeah, we were cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was all of a sudden really snowy everywhere. Like Sequoia was still snow all on the ground, and we were hiking through that, and that was great. And it was a, a you know Sequoia is a huge park, one of the crown jewels. And then Kings Canyon, right next door, literally connected, connected mm-hmm. um, is just, in a lot of people's minds, kind of like the little brother. Right. Um, so it's already kind of at a disadvantage. And then it was we went there, and the big road that actually takes you into the canyon part was closed. Not because of snow, but because they don't have enough like staff at yeah. that time of year to open it, it was so, really frustrating because we we're like, we can see all the way down; it's not snowy, and like there's nothing in, on the road is covered in snow. But they don't have enough; they didn't have enough staff to like off season staff to to um, stay. What word am I trying to think of? To station at the bottom of the road um at that ranger station down there so they just had to close the road which is sad because then we couldn't access most of the park but thankfully there's this tiny little section along the road that's technically part of king's canyon national park where the visitor center is and where grants grove is and some of the other uh main areas to visit yeah quick history about the park um so Grants Grove National Park, right? That's what it was called. The third? Was the third national park ever created in like 1890, I think. Uh, Right at the same time as Sequoia, I believe. And then it was decommissioned, basically, Mm -hmm. and folded into what became Kings Canyon. Um, And the the reason Kings Canyon became a park is because Sequoia had... There was a, a rule about how much land, right? They that it was they were wanting to protect too much land. 
Yeah, so there was it, like a law back then; it had to be a separate park so, for right. some reason. Sequoia National Park was mandated to be just this certain amount of area yeah, by Congress when yeah. it was created. So instead of going back and changing that whole law, they just created a, a new law saying now Kings Canyon is also a national park, and but you'll just have the same administration and yeah, it's do me. everything together. It, even when you go to their websites, I think they're, it, it just says Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Park. And it's just, it's all one. And they, they manage it like it's one park. Um, and so it was kind of an interesting experience. It, it We didn't have a ton of time. Well, we didn't have a ton of stuff to do there. But we did, um, we did see some, we did have some really cool highlights. Um, basically... Our favorite things. Grant's Grove was big. The General Grant tree um, is... Yeah, and tell them what that is. Just a grove of huge sequoia trees. Yes. Yeah, so these trees are the the thickest, the widest in diameter in the world. Uh, the if you don't know about biggest these volume. sequoia trees that are in Sequoia National Park and Kings Canyon. So yeah, we haven't talked about sequoia yet, have we? No. So I'm just making sure yeah. everybody knows right. Sorry. What, what this is when we're talking about a, a grove of trees, big deal. But these are actually big, big deal trees. Big trees. So they're not the tallest. Those were located in Red the Redwood National Park, but they are the biggest in volume. So they're super tall and super fat. Basically, these trees are huge. Um, anyway, so there's a little bit of the Sequoia Grove in Kings Canyon National Park. There's also an interesting little section about the with that's called Big Stump, and it's um, it kind of talks about the history of the logging days around the park. Yeah, and it's re- really fascinating once you go to see these huge living trees, then to go a mile down the road and take this trail where all of the trees were logged and it's now within the park but you know 100 years ago or whenever these trees were logged and the stumps of these <laughs> things are uh, like like a tiny a house. car and a half length <laughs> yeah like a tiny house exactly <laughs> Um, How cute would a tiny, <laughs> you could build a circle tiny house on top of a sequoia stump. Or in a sequoia stump. Yeah. Or like underneath like a, a hobbit hole. Less yeah. cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was kind of sad to see all those trees just cut down and gone forever. But it's it's also like it's it's kind of a symbol of the importance of the national parks to protect from stuff like that happening yeah. nowadays. So anyway, we also were able to drive partway down the road to Kings Canyon um, and to a lake called Hume Lake, and we got to see some really good views of the canyon, which was pretty, and it was a nice day. They were okay. <laughs> I liked them, considering that was the only view we saw in the park. Yeah. And then the here comes the um, less fun part. So this was we like we said it was really cold, snowy. We were camping in cold, snowy <laughs> weather. It was just it was it was it felt like long days. We hadn't been in a town for a while because the road. Um, we left town to go to Sequoia, and then we were you know, in Sequoia for, for five days or so. And then we were in Kings Canyon for a couple of days. 
So it had been a while since we really saw civilization. So I think that was wearing on us. And it was hard to get hyped up for this particular park just because there wasn't a ton that we could access. Definitely. Uh, so it's like when when you go to some place like Yosemite, you're going to be jazzed no matter what. But when uh, you're going to Kings Canyon and most of it's closed and you already saw most of the cool stuff that you can see, uh, in neighboring Sequoia, which is bigger and maybe better, uh, tough to at least the the tree wise, like the stuff we could see, you know, groves and stuff that was better in Sequoia. Um, yeah, just tough to get energized for it. For sure. Yeah. Um, we, but here here's how we dealt. So I think this is important because I think it I think it relates to all travel. Is that we. It, it, it has to do with the importance of adapting to other people's travel styles, <laughs> like us adapting to each other's travel styles, because if you don't know much about Cole and me, we have opposite, dare to say opposite? No, I don't think opposite. <laughs> like there are... Yeah, I know. It, Not quite opposite, but very different um, styles of travel and styles of of life <laughs> and personality. <laughs> And so the important, it was really important to adapt to each other throughout this trip and um, splitting up, you know, going separate ways when we needed to. And so we did this a little bit on in this, uh, in Kings Canyon. Yeah, we definitely learned as we went through the trip, the value of getting away from each other and allowing each other, like, it's okay to do different things. For sure. And I'm, not be together twenty four seven. Yeah, I'm very introverted, and so just the just the um, issue of recharging and feeling like I, whenever I'm overwhelmed, I need to be by myself, and that's like totally by myself. And um, th- those moments didn't happen as much as they happen here on a regular basis because we were always in the car or in the tent together. And so the importance of just like you go hike. And I, and bring the bear spray, and I will be here, like I will do something on my own for a couple of hours and totally be refreshed and happier and in a much better mood. And that that happened a lot more towards the last half of our trip, I would say. Yeah, in, in Kings Canyon, I went to Panoramic Point. That was this little hike I did for an afternoon. It was a afternoon. road, wasn't it? Yeah, it was so you can there is a trail there, but I think at this point of the season it was just the road because the road was closed to cars, so mm-hmm. you hiked up the road and you got really high up. Uh the it was fairly cloudy that day, but you could still see a long ways into the canyon. Um and it was nice. It was just a I wanted to get out. I wanted to feel like I was giving Kings Canyon a chance. Uh, so that was what I needed, uh, and I uh, like was able to listen to a podcast as I hiked and stuff. So I think, and I think, especially if you're not necessarily if you're just traveling for a week, sometimes sometimes if you're just traveling short term, but especially if you're traveling for an extended amount of time, I think figuring this out as soon as you can is super important because I think there were times on the first half of our trip where we got very frustrated with each other just because we weren't adapting we weren't um like solving the problem we were just like trying to to um force it force it yeah for sure and so while cole was hiking i sat in the lovely john muir lodge lobby 
which we sat in a lot of, of National Park Lodge lobbies <laughs> and used their Wi-Fi, but this one was one of the coziest. I think I got a hot chocolate or something. They had, like, drink service. You could get alcohol. You could get some kind of alcoholic drink. They had a fireplace. Um, they had cozy chairs. They had a puzzle. I did a puzzle. That's what I did. Yeah. I worked on a puzzle, and I, um, I think I listened to a podcast, too, and I just kind of relaxed and cozied up in the lodge and was warm and it was wonderful and I was completely completely refreshed in just a couple hours it was wonderful yeah and then right I think it was right before that when we were still feeling pretty wiped just de-energized um, we were sitting, we had just gone to explore Grants Grove, so we were kind of transitioning in between hikes, activities, whatever. Uh, we were sitting in the parking lot uh, in front of the post office because we were trying to figure out something to mail. To American Samoa. Yeah, to American Samoa, to, to our, our host family. To our family. We were going to mail them some pictures. Yeah, and a little care package. Yeah, some of crayons goodies. And, yeah. and stuff. Um, and... As we were sitting there putting on postage, this uh, ranger came up to our car. And, you know, usually they're, when they come up to you uh, unwarranted like that, it's, you know, because you're doing something wrong and you need to, like, I don't know, stop. Uh, I don't have a good. <laughs> I'm trying to picture what you're talking about right now. I don't know. Stop. Uh, don't have a good example. Stop doing something. The longer you wait, the more everyone's imagination is running <laughs> right now. <laughs> but this lady, uh, I think her name was Valerie. Ranger Valerie. I'm probably making that up completely. Sorry, Valerie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say Ranger Valerie, though. Okay. Um, knocked on our door. We opened up. Said, hi, Miss Ranger. And she said, you're the switchback kids. I've been following you. I seen. I saw that you were in the park, and I was really hoping I would run into you. So that was, and she, we just talked. We chatted, you know, about what we were doing in the park, what she had, you know, the work she'd done in the park, and what she did. She was actually in charge of their social media stuff, which is, uh, I think, why she ended up finding us. Um, and it was just uh, that little interaction. You know, for 10 minutes, totally flipped our attitudes for the day. Oh, I for sure think so. I think just making those small connections with um, and just reaching out and talking to a ranger and or, you know, looking up and like looking at the people around and and um, sometimes people can just surprise you and brighten your day. Because we had been on our own, too. Like, we had been doing our own thing. You know, it's we're always just around each other. Because travel can be kind of isolating, especially during an off-season at a park. Um, and this was just one time where we hadn't really felt connected to anybody at the park. It's Valerie. You're Are you right. serious? I just looked it up on our yes. People of the Parks page yes. on our website, and you were right. Good job. That she was... was. She had the best. She was so smiley and happy and peppy and, like, one of the best rangers we met the whole year. Yeah. So, Ranger Valerie, this shout-out goes to you. Thanks for <laughs> brightening our 
cloudy, snowy day in Kings Canyon. Yeah, so takeaways from Kings Canyon was that it's important to adapt to other people's travel styles, who you are traveling with, and don't forget you can split up when you need to. (laughs) Um, We definitely missed out on a lot at Kings Canyon, and we will for sure be back, I think. Don't you think? Amen. Okay. Next, we're going to Theodore Roosevelt National Park, which is in North Dakota, and this was park number 49 of 59. Yeah, we were this really... This was late in the game. Yeah, we were really seeing the light at the For end of the fourth tunnel. Fourth quarter. <laughs> it was, I believe, June. Yeah. Yes. June, right before we headed... Good weather. ...went up to Alaska, um, more or less. And yeah, it was really good weather. Nice and hot. It, it was... So, it, Theodore Roosevelt's interesting because... There's an interstate that cuts right through it, and there are two units. There's, well, actually, I think there are three, technically, Mm -hmm. but two main units that people visit, the south and the north. Mm -hmm. And the south is much more visited because it's basically right off the interstate, uh, 90, I believe, I-90. And... uh, I don't know, you probably haven't heard of Theodore Roosevelt National Park, unless you're super park buffs. Um, It's not one that gets a ton of attention. It also doesn't help that it's in the middle of nowhere in North Dakota, (laughs) but uh, really gorgeous park. Really cool park. I liked this one a lot. I'm very surprised by it. Very thrown off guard. Even though the whole time I was very tired and uninspired (laughs) like just just being not and it wasn't the park's fault of course um it was just the time in our trip what we were we were almost finished with like our contiguous u.s parks we just had a couple more to go and then we were going to be driving up to alaska for the last leg and i just felt like the weight of everything i think like and we were almost you know we were only a couple weeks from going home for a couple days for a wedding and I think the, just like the knowing that we were going to be sleeping on a bed soon and showering soon, but not yet, <laughs> like that was, that was tough. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, I think th- for this one, we felt very differently. This is one where I was still, uh, you know, y- you were a, a lot more down than I was. Yeah, we were we were very very on different pages with this one, <laughs> <laughs> which also didn't help uh, as far as our kind of interaction and experience and desire to to take on the park. Yeah, so this this park it was really pretty. Len, you want to talk about the highlights first, and then because we we did experience like most of the, we did most of the park in. I, pretty good spirits and then towards the end I was like I'm I want to go like I'm ready to go um now <laughs> and not that way <laughs> yeah no, I think we had four days right something like that we had two de- definitely two nights at least two nights in each campground right so we started in the south mm-hmm. highlights um we really liked the we did the little scenic drive of course the, the loop and we really liked some of the short trails. There was one called the Ridgeline Trail that was really cool. We actually saw a rattlesnake yeah. in T- Theodore Roosevelt National Park, and it rattled at us. That was one. We should have talked about that when we talked about 
animal encounters. Yeah, I couldn't remember if we did or not. We might have mentioned it at the end. Yeah. I don't know. But it was, um, I mean, it, it did its job. It rattled very loudly. <laughs> And we were able to walk around it, far away, far around it, because it was right, just sitting right next to the trail, hidden in some of the brushes. Um, very I'm, glad we were paying attention. Well, I'm glad it wasn't a very aggressive one, because your reaction was way better than mine. Like, you immediately knew it was a rattlesnake and yeah. jumped to one side of the trail. To and the- I was just kind of like... Oh, that's a weird noise I haven't heard before. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, I got out of there, but I ended up on the other side of the trail and it was on this huge hill. So we were on different, you know, parts of this trail separated by a rattlesnake with not an easy way to get around. Yeah, because it was kind of a, a drop off. Yeah. But not not like a huge drop off. I think we ended up just like cutting down into this little um, ditch. ditch and back up and it was fine. Um, but yeah, it was, we, we had kind of one of those like comic moments, it, like TV moments of like, you're on one side of the rattlesnake, <laughs> I'm on the other side of the rattlesnake, what do we do? Um, but we solved it. it was, anyway, that was a, that was an interesting encounter. There were also a ton of bison and we oh, also yeah. saw a couple of wild horses, which was pretty cool. Yeah. A lot of wild horses. Do uh, we see a prairie lot? Prairie dogs. Prairie dogs. Also prairie dog lots towns. of prairie dog towns. Yeah. We... Um, we also, we, the first night we were there, we were driving and it was around sunrise, sunset, I mean, and we went to Wind Canyon Trail, which is like a little Missouri River overlook. Yeah. It's like a quarter of a mile. You just walk right up away from your car and up to the Missouri River where it bends. And we saw there was a storm coming in and the clouds were like so cool. Yeah. And it was blowing, you know, it's one of those pre-storm times where you can tell the pressure's dropping and it's getting dark and rumbly and i I don't know i love that type of uh weather so that was really cool for me um and you could just look out forever over this canyon over the missouri river that was definitely my favorite trail of the um uh, of the south unit i would say so th- we did that type of stuff, and then we also went up to um, the next day Petrified Forest National uh, Petrified. No, no, no. <laughs> you sorry. are distracting me. <laughs> sorry, I just sorry. I just got a substitute notification, and the job was for uh, a teacher named William Clark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He needs me. <laughs> I'm subbing it. Here Ma- come Merryweather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been called in this called in for duty. Yeah, I didn't know he was a teacher assistant <laughs> at high school. <laughs> okay, anyway. Petrified so the they have a petrified forest area. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, so you have to drive out of the park and around and on this dirt road. But it was a super cool trail. Um, and it reminded us a lot of the of petrified forest national park where there's just a bunch of petrified wood it wasn't quite as you know drastic and big of course yeah of an, there of was an still area a lot, but there was a there ton big chunks big chunks of petrified it was wood very cool uh very you know colorful oranges and reds mm-hmm. and lots of different designs um so we, that was a good bonus yeah we also we the visitor center was pretty cool no it wasn't great i guess we but we did 
We ran into Teddy Roosevelt himself. That's right. We ran into a Teddy Roosevelt impersonator outside of the visitor center, and that was very exciting at Teddy Roosevelt National Park. Um, besides, and in, his wife and his wife, Mrs. Roosevelt. Yes. So yeah, they, they, I don't know. That's her <laughs> official first name. <laughs> Mrs. What is her first? What's Teddy Roosevelt's wife's name? Uh, Elizabeth. Oh yeah. Okay. No, I don't know. That's a guess. That's my name. But I'm one for one. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> um, okay. Besides, <laughs> this is getting weird. Besides inside the park, we also liked the town of Medora. Mm-hmm. We walked around. They had like a cute little downtown area. We met. Their um, ice cream was way too expensive, though. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's. This is what I have to deal with. This is why I have <laughs> travel fatigue, guys. Because it's <laughs> because of stuff like this. Because Cole's always, always whining about the prices. No, um, just when they're too expensive. Exactly. <laughs> so always, all every everything is too expensive for you. I mean, it, except for great value ice cream. Mm, oh my gosh, we got okay. This is <laughs> off topic. Peanut butter s'mores though from Aldi's best best flavor. Peanut butter s'mores. Check it out. Two sixty nine Aldi's. <laughs> We are officially sponsored by Aldi. <laughs> I wish. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? We love Aldi. Uh, anyway, Town of Medora is super cute. There's a lot of like cowboy stuff to do there. Like if you want to, if for your family, it's kind of like fun, um, historic downtown area and some activities. There's like a, uh, what, what are, like a dinner show that they have that's yeah. pretty famous. Um, okay. Anyway, also we, talk about the family real quick that you ran into at the visitor center. Yeah, we ran into a family from Kansas City, which you guys know that we um, lived there for three years before leaving on the trip, and they um, had been following us. It was so exciting. Yeah. The and end. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they had their whole family of three kids and the parents, you know, on this road trip, and it was just really cool to see. You know, a family doing what our families did when we were growing up, going out to on these road trips, experiencing the outdoors, uh, and also knowing about us. That was pretty cool, too. Yeah, we it, this podcast is making it seem like we had a lot of famous encounters. Yeah, with people not knowing. the case. That's yeah. a coincidence. Not even a little bit, but, but that's okay. Again, the point with that encounter was that it was just some random chance um, but connecting with those people and just chatting with Theodore Roosevelt, you know, maybe it was an impersonator, maybe not, um, <laughs> really made it, uh, really lightened the, the kind of, I don't know, fatigue. Glo- gloom. I wouldn't say gloom. I yeah. would. Okay. <laughs> but it, I was really trying to hold it together. <laughs> But it, it really just brought life to our experience. For sure. So really be open to meeting people, be open to talking with people Especially and finding connections. people that think you're famous. Yes. <laughs> try, try really hard to find those people. <laughs> um, okay, so we drove to the north section next. And highlights from the north section that we really liked, um, we loved the campground. And I feel like it was still off season. So it's like $7. Yeah. Um, and so it was cheap and it was beautiful. 
Yeah, the really campground there, setting. Juniper. Juniper. And we also really liked Cottonwood from the uh, in the south section, yeah. which Cottonwood might have been more scenic. But Juniper was probably more secluded. Our site was kind of tucked away. Yeah. Both nice. were right on the river, different rivers. Um, and you could go out and just kind of wade in the river, cool off, take a bath, whatever. Um but that stomp away from coal when you're mad and walk like a mile back to the campground yeah and he doesn't even notice that you left the car that happened yeah it, i mean i don't remember that part but tell me about it we were trying to make our new plans and i really wanted to just stay at the campground another night and do like some easy overlook stuff and you wanted to go backpacking Oh yeah, I remember you were super mad. That was maybe the mad. This is why I put this park on this section. I was probably the maddest I was on the whole trip. Yeah, and I just wanted to. And I was frustrated too, but you were too mad to where I couldn't be mad yeah, at you. Yeah, I like because stomped away. So I, I had to be. All... I had to walk away and walk. We were it. We were like parked at a bathroom. Yeah, and I walked all the way back to our campground, which is like a mile away. I don't and I thought you know. were gonna follow me, and you didn't follow me, <laughs> which is fine. No, I so our plan, space. our whole plan for the north unit was to go on a backpacking trip that we had seen in Backpacker magazine, um, and it was the Achenbach Trail. It was just, I think, two days or something, eighteen miles, so not ex- too extreme, but. Um, yeah, I was just really excited about it, uh, just getting out, because we hadn't backpacked in a real long time at this point, because it had been cold parks and backpacking trails had been closed and stuff. Um, so I was really looking forward to that, and then Elizabeth, feeling how she did at that point, was <laughs> not interested anymore. Um, so I had a really tough time adapting to that and giving up my dream, my lifelong dream of of two days of a two day backpacking trip on this trail and I it, hadn't heard of before yeah. a month ago. Yeah, I don't regret that much. <laughs> so no, basically, we got in fine. a big discussion, we'll say, about whether we should go on this trail. And we were both very uh, avid about our courses, different courses of action. Yeah, I super didn't want to get lost. I had heard that the trail is sometimes, it, it looks like it's the trail, but it's actually just a bison trail and the grass is really high and it's hard to see where you're going. I've heard that. So I really didn't want to get lost. And I also just super didn't feel like carrying. I remember distinctly thinking, we're already set up at our campground. I we can just easily make food. We don't have to carry it. Like it was just it seemed like such a drastic um a difference. A, just a stark difference between what was currently set up for us and what we were creating for ourselves as far as a hassle. <laughs> yeah. I just really wasn't feeling it. Yeah. So And then I get this like crazy cycle of like I feel guilty and then I get more defensive and then I feel guiltier and then I get 
more defensive and angry and it's just like a terrible but you don't show your guilt you just mask it by a bunch of anger and yeah um drama and then i start crying and then then yeah and then it knows like i there's no going anywhere from there you know i just give you whatever you want at that point isn't that right darling (laughs) something like that you don't give me a guilt-free night of camping. Yeah, I make you work for it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, we did very much enjoy the uh, the the overlooks at the park. They were oh, really it was cool, gorgeous, so S- super gorgeous. Like the south unit, the north unit has a nice drive you can do. And this one's kind of an out-and-back drive instead mm-hmm. of a loop. So you drive basically up um, the canyon you know, wall, and y- there are different points along the drive where you're just looking out over the canyon and the river, and it's a gorgeous, expansive view of kind of badlands mixed with prairie. Yeah, that's a good explanation of it for sure. Two overlooks that we really liked, the Riverbend one, that's where, um, that I believe that is the one where the CCC structure is, yeah. the old pavilion that the CCC built, and you can, um, it's just a really cool place to to just walk out to and take some good, good uh, pictures of the view and everything, and then Oxbow was, I guess Oxbow Bend, maybe, was the other overlook at the yeah. very end of the park, of the drive. So we did those. We also did, um, I think it was called Little Mo, a trail, uh, a short trail. Um, and then Cole <laughs> went on a trail called the Cap Rock. Yes, Cap Rock Cooley Trail. Thank Cap you. Cap Rock Cooley Trail. I wrote it down. Stop typing away, I'm trying to look it up. Uh, I didn't see it there. I wrote it in my notes. Yeah. Do you see the notes that I wrote? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, Cole won't lit, let me live it down, quote, favorite trail of the trip, unquote. Yeah, right. That's what I wrote down. It was word a for word. super cool trail. And he keeps talking about it. And I, it I chose was, to not go. And yeah, because so, she was doing her like mopey thing. <laughs> and, <laughs> this is why I have travel <laughs> No, so she was resting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you so much. Uh, so she was resting back at camp, and I really wanted to. So instead of going on my dream backpacking trip, <laughs> I decided to compromise, give up my dreams, go on the you know this trail. I'd also heard was pretty cool, um, just like a four mile thing called the Cap Rock Cooley Trail, and it led you up along the rim of the canyon, and. It was it was just super beautiful. Um, you know, you really went in and out of the the badlands or or just the the layers of rock formation that are right along the canyon rim, uh, and you know all types of different angles of the the canyon view. Um, I don't know. I was just in a really weird mood. I I think because I had been like we had been kind of fighting and I had been stressed from that it was just so nice to get out and uh, have that release of hiking um, which we obviously hadn't done enough of throughout the trip 
Um, but it, it was just a really good feeling, and it was um, the away from meanness. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, but, and it was just really gorgeous. Surprisingly so, and that's mm-hmm. a big thing too. I think whenever you're really taken aback by how beautiful it is, that helps. Um, plus, I tried my hand at um, using a new type of frisbee. Um, flung some buffalo patties, so that was. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was fun. I'm really glad I wasn't. That was a good there. experiment. Um, yeah. they they sail pretty well. Missed out on a lot on this trail. Yeah. Um, but, but highly recommend that one if you go. It's got a lot of access points to the road, so if you don't want to do a whole four miles or however much that loop is, uh, you can cut it down a bit um yeah so takeaways though from theodore roosevelt was that we changed our plans when we were when one of us was feeling this way so we just really had to cut back we had to not do the backpacking trip in order to get through it um is basically how we had to do it cole of course we also split up um for part of it like this greatest trail he's ever been on um, but the biggest thing was that we just had to cut back and be flexible and change our plans, which which happens. You know, obviously in travel, a lot of things are unpredictable and you can be super excited for a trip and then still have these moments of like, um, to put it in Berenstein Bears terms, too much birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is what I always referred to it as. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's something that a lot of people deal with. And I think that this is a really good way to combat it is just cut back. Yeah. Not force it, not force anything. Right. I'd add, don't put a lot of pressure on yourself. Cause like, I think we ran into this in. Just put a lot of pressure on your spouse. Yeah. Um, and I'm admittedly not good ab- about that at all. You know, when I go to a place, I want to do it to the max and uh, use every minute. But uh, we ran into this a little bit in Belize where, you know, we knew that we weren't coming back anytime soon. We wanted to make the most of it. And we kind of put pressure on ourselves at, at points. And it was an awesome trip all the way around. But um, don't, you know, just try not to um, put all that pressure for everything to go perfect, for everything to go according to plan, and for you to enjoy every minute of it. Because when you're traveling, it's, you know, you're still human, you're still going to have ups and downs. It's not constant euphoria like you uh, imagine and like you dream it up. Um, so, and we definitely experienced all the dimensions and emotions of travel throughout the year. Definitely. Anything else to add? That's, that's it. I think that's our, I think that's going to be our discussion on travel fatigue. Um, so thank you guys so much for checking us out today. We'll be back next week to share even more depressing travel stories. This time about, um, being extra flexible in the parks and which parks we had to really experience flexibility yeah if you enjoyed the podcast we'd love for you to share us with a friend 
uh, give us a rating on iTunes or find us on social media. And you can always get additional National Parks videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks out. out.